0: Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a brother's grim tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading.
1: Our Lady's
0: Child! So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a
1: Grim Reading!
0: Near a great forest dwelt a woodcutter with his wife, who had an only child, a little girl, three years old. They were so poor, however, that they no longer had daily bread and did not know how to get food for her. Sad start to the series. As a family starving to death. Yes. Welcome back.
1: (laughs) Series four. (laughs) Welcome back, yeah.
0: Great start. One morning, the woodcutter went out sorrowfully to his work in the forest, and while he was cutting wood... Suddenly there stood before him a tall and beautiful woman with a crown of shining stars on her head who said to him, I am the Virgin Mary, mother of the child Jesus. You are poor and needy. Bring your child to me. I will take her with me and be her mother and care for her. The woodcutter obeyed, brought his child, and gave her to the Virgin Mary, who took her up to heaven with her. There the child fared well, ate sugar cakes, and drank sweet milk, and her clothes were of gold, and the little angels played with her. Hold on, I need a second. Okay, all right, all right. That's a lot to process.
1: Yep, that took a, a turn, an unexpected turn. Mother Mary popped up. Give me your child. Yeah, I'll take <laughs> her with me, and we're going to have sugar cakes and something. How are you feeling about that, the fact that Mother Mary's taken
0: the little baby girl?
1: Um, Weird, uncomfortable, <laughs> and I feel like it's not ultimately going to end well. Oh, damning. (laughs) That is a damning
0: assessment of the situation. Well, let's find out. (laughs) Let's see. When she was 14 years old, the Virgin Mary called her one day and said, Dear child, I'm about to make a long journey. So take into your keeping the keys of the 13 doors of heaven. 12 of these you may open and behold the glory which is within them. But the 13th, to which this little key belongs, is forbidden. Beware of opening it, or you will bring misery
1: on yourself. Wait, what? What's happening? She's retiring. What did she say? She's going on a long journey. Oh, she's going on a long journey. And she said... Can you look after the place?
0: Here are the keys to the 13 doors of heaven. Yeah. Go in these 12, but this one,
1: don't go in. Have a good time. Couldn't be clearer instructions. Yeah. Don't do, don't open door 13, basically. <laughs> so if she ends up <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. opening door 13, <laughs> I'm going to go well, mental. She's, she's been forbidden, Adam. She wouldn't dare. She wouldn't happen. She would not dare. The girl promised to be obedient,
0: and when the Virgin Mary was gone, she began to examine the dwellings of the kingdom of heaven. Each day she opened one of the doors until she had made the round of the twelve. In each of them sat one of the apostles in the midst of a great light, and she rejoiced in all the magnificence and splendour, and the little angels who always accompanied her rejoiced with her.
1: Wow. This is epic. (laughs) It's, It's really epic. Then the forbidden door alone remained. Mm.
0: And she felt a great desire to know what could be hidden behind it and said to the angels, I'll not quite open it and I'll not go inside it, but I will unlock it so that we can just see
1: a little through the opening. Okay, this is where I sit her down and say, don't take this the wrong way, but do you know how doors work? Because <laughs> <laughs> if you, I'm not sure how much more you're going to see by just unlocking a door. Hmm. And if you're opening it a crack, that is opening it. Mm. Anyway, for, it's far yeah. for me to say. You, yeah. You're in charge of the keys. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's not
0: a subtle philosophical point, is it? You're <laughs> no. either opening the door or you're not. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, the little angels were onto this as well, her yeah. friends in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, said so the little angels. That would be a sin. The Virgin Mary has forbidden it, and it might easily cause you unhappiness. Then she was silent. So they convinced her, but the desire in her heart was not stilled, but gnawed there and tormented her and let her have no rest. Oh dear. And once, when the angels had all gone out, she thought, now I'm quite alone. I could peep in. If I do it, no one will ever know. She sought out the key, and when she got it in her hand, she put it in the lock. And when she
1: put it in, she turned it round as well. <laughs> oh, one oh. thing leads to another. That's how unlocking a door works. Describe it in great detail. Step by step. Step three.
0: <laughs> so she's done it. She's, she's read the instruction manual for opening a <laughs> yeah, door. Yeah.
1: She's she's mastered it. And she's has she unlocked it or has she actually turned the handle yet? Well, she's unlocked it. And then the door sprang open. Oh, no.
0: And she saw there the Trinity sitting in fire and splendour. Whoa. She stayed there a while and looked at everything in amazement. And then she touched the light a little with her finger. And her finger became quite golden. Immediately, a great fear fell on her. She shut the door violently and ran away. Her terror too would not quit her, let her do what she might, and her heart beat continually and would not be stilled. The gold too stayed on her finger. And would not go <laughs> Goldfinger. Sorry. Was Sorry. So ready for that.
1: I <laughs> you mean, knew I was I gonna knew do it.
0: that. I knew that months ago. <laughs> I knew that this would happen. I can't, you Adam's can't going not. To sing Goldfinger. <laughs> you can't not. She is goldfinger. She's goldfinger. She literally is goldfinger. And then James
1: Bond walks in. <laughs> da-na, da-na. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I interrupted with uh, quite an obvious Reference. I apologise. I mean, it's
0: screaming, isn't it? <laughs> it's screaming gold finger. Um, I tried not to say it in a way that would encourage you <laughs> yeah. to interrupt. Uh, there was no chance of me not doing that. So she's got a gold finger, and wouldn't, and it wouldn't go away no matter how much she rubbed it and washed it. And it was not long before the Virgin Mary came back from her journey.
1: Uh oh, hands in pockets time.
0: Such a cold finger.
1: <laughs> 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 Come on, keep those
0: coming. So the Virgin Mary came back from her journey. She called the girl before her and asked to have the keys of heaven back. When the maiden gave her the bunch, the Virgin looked into her eyes and said, Have you not opened the 13th door also?
1: Hmm.
0: No, she replied. Oh dear. Then the Virgin laid her hand on the girl's heart and felt how it beat and beat and saw right well that she had disobeyed her order and had opened the door. Then she said once again, Are you certain that you've not done it? Yes, said the girl for the second time. Can you just stop asking? God! Then the virgin perceived the finger which had become golden from touching the fire of heaven. And she saw well that the child had sinned and said for the third time, Have you not done it? No, said the girl for the third time. Then said the virgin Mary, You have not obeyed me, and besides that you have lied. "'You are no longer worthy to be in heaven.' "'Then the girl fell into a deep sleep, "'and when she awoke she lay on the earth below "'and in the midst of a wilderness. "'She wanted to cry out, but she could bring forth no sound. "'She sprang up and wanted to run away, "'but wherever she turned herself she was continually held back "'by thick hedges of thorns through which she could not break. "'In the desert in which she was imprisoned "'there stood an old hollow tree, "'and this had to be her dwelling place. "'Into this she crept when night came, "'and here she slept.' Here, too, she found a shelter from storm and rain, but it was a miserable life, and bitterly did she weep when she remembered how happy she had been in heaven and how the angels had played with her. Roots and wild berries were her only food, and for these she searched as far as she could go. In the autumn, she picked up the fallen nuts and leaves and carried them into the hole. The nuts were her food in winter, and when snow and ice came, she crept amongst the leaves like a poor little animal that she might not freeze. Before long, her clothes were all torn, and one bit of them after another fell off her. When the sun shone warm again, she went out and sat in front of the tree, and her long hair covered her on all sides like a mantle. Thus she sat year after year and felt the pain and misery of
1: the world. Whoa. It's quite a tumble from Grace, isn't it? Mm. She looked like, um, what's the fella from Star Wars? Chewbacca. <laughs> she looks like Chewbacca, basically. <laughs>
0: More like a bit more like cousin it from the Adams family, so she's like that basically. Her hair is her clothes, her hair is her clothes, yeah. So she's gone from living in heaven, having a great time with her yeah. little angel friends, to a spectacular fall from grace. She's yeah. just naked,
1: living on berries. <laughs> it's quite a bizarre situation. <laughs> yeah. Th- this now is now ta- you're finding this bizarre. <laughs> now, <laughs> this has taken several unexpected turns. Now Goldfinger is naked in a desert. So, yeah, it's not looking good. And
0: uh, she's feeling the pain and misery of the world. One day, when the trees were once more clothed in fresh green, the king of the country was hunting in the forest, and followed a deer. And as it had fled into the thicket which shut in this part of the forest, he got off his horse, tore the bushes asunder, and cut himself a path with his sword. When he had at last forced his way through, He saw a wonderfully beautiful maiden sitting under the tree, and she was entirely covered with her golden hair down to her very feet. He stood still and looked at her full of surprise. Then he spoke to her and said, Who are you? Why are you sitting here in the wilderness? But she gave no answer, for she could not open her mouth. Virgin Mary's taken uh, speech away from her as well. Oh no. We need that to be very clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She cannot talk. The king continued, however. Will you... uh Go with me to my castle? Then she just nodded her head a little. The king took her in his arms and rode home with her. And when he reached the royal castle, he caused her to be dressed in beautiful garments and gave her all things in abundance. Although she could not speak, she was still so beautiful and charming that he began to love her with all his
1: heart. (laughs) Although
0: she couldn't speak, she
1: was still beautiful.
0: And it was not long before he married her. Of course. Well, I could see that coming. After a year or so had passed, the queen brought a son into the
1: world. Oh. Is this is this Our Lady's <laughs> child? Oh. 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 <laughs> I thought you
0: were going to say, is that whole children are made?
1: <laughs> well, that too. Is it?
0: So she's had a child. Mm-hmm. And thereupon, the Virgin Mary appeared to her in the night when she lay in her bed alone and said, If you will tell the truth and confess that you did unlock the forbidden door, I will open your mouth and give you back your speech. But... If you persevere in your sin and deny obstinately, I will take your newborn child away with me.
1: At which point, someone needs to point to her and say, sequence of events aren't quite right there. Because how is she going to admit to something before you give her back the power of speech? Well, the Virgin Mary's she's thought about that. Oh, <laughs> she, okay. she like gives like a small window. She allows her to answer. Oh, temporary sort of reprieve, yeah.
0: Yeah. But the Queen remained hard and said,
1: no, I didn't open the door. Why... The stakes were so low you just had to give the right answer, right? And the Virgin Mary took the newborn child
0: from her arms and vanished with it. Yeah, so even losing a child, she's still yeah. denying that Why? she what opened she, the door.
1: What's she trying to do there? Well, she just want to she doesn't want to tell the Virgin Mary that she lied in heaven and saw the Trinity. Once you commit to a lie, yeah. You've yeah, got, yeah, to you got to follow through, yeah. Keep digging.
0: Next morning, when the child was not to be found. It was whispered among the people that the queen was a man eater and had killed her own child. <laughs> <laughs> she heard all this but could say nothing to the contrary. But the king would not believe it for he loved her so much. Yeah, he
1: knows the boy doesn't know the truth. But there's <laughs> yeah. also something else I want to say as well. I was <laughs> thinking, I'm not going to. <laughs> I was
0: wondering if Nelly Furtado <laughs> yeah. would bubble up inside <laughs> <No>. you. <laughs> The people of the kingdom said,
1: <laughs> She's a manny the we'll make you work hard. Huh? <laughs> song and dance, no, but...
0: Yeah, so the king's been like, No, shut up, I love her, she's fine. When a year had gone by, the queen again bore a son. And in the night, the Virgin Mary again came to her and said, If you will confess that you open the forbidden door, I will give you your child back and untie your tongue. But if you continue in sin and deny it, I will take away with me this new child also. Then the queen again said, No, I didn't open the forbidden door. And the virgin took the child out of her arms and away with her to heaven. Next morning, when this child also had disappeared, the people declared quite loudly that the queen had devoured it, and the king's counselors demanded that she should be brought to justice. The king, however, loved her so dearly that he wouldn't believe it and commanded the counsellors, under pain of death, not to say any more about it. The following year, the queen gave birth to a beautiful little daughter. Oh. And for the third time, the Virgin Mary appeared to her in the night and this time said, follow me. She took the queen by the hand and led her to heaven and showed her there her two eldest children who smiled at her and were playing with the ball of the world
1: sorry but what do you mean the ball of the world what's the ball of the world is it the world i googled it
0: i forgot just some weird results
1: <laughs> you it's... googled ball of the world <laughs> yes. ball of the world i was very tired <laughs> done a lot of research
0: <laughs> i don't know what the ball of the world is i guess it's the world they're sort of playing with the world and they're kicking it
1: <laughs> like <laughs> right in australia or something just boom
0: so the Queen has seen her children again. When the Queen rejoiced at this, the Virgin Mary said, Is your heart not yet softened? If you will own that you open the forbidden door, I will give you back your two little sons. Big offer from the Virgin.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's big of her. I like She's yeah. got nothing to lose. But for the third time, the
0: Queen answered, No, I didn't open the forbidden door. And then the virgin let her sink down to earth once more and took from her likewise her third child. Next morning, when the loss was reported abroad, all the people cried loudly, The queen is a man-eater! She must be judged! And the king was no longer able to restrain his (laughs) counsellors.
1: Why is he like holding them on their collar, like, (laughs) pulling them back? I can't hold them much longer!
0: (laughs) Thereupon, a trial was held, and as she could not answer, because she can't speak, and defend herself, she was condemned to be burnt alive. Wow. The wood was got together, and when she was fast bound to the stake, and the fire began to burn round about her, the hard ice of pride melted. Her heart was moved by repentance, and she thought, if I could but confess before my death that I opened the door. Then her voice came back to her, and she cried out loudly, yes, Mary, I did it. And straight away, rain fell from the sky and extinguished the flames of fire, and a light broke forth above her, and the Virgin Mary descended with the two little sons by her side and the newborn daughter in her arms. She spoke kindly to her and said, He who repents his sin and acknowledges it is forgiven. And she said, actually, I'm a she. Um." Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Do you want to to say that again? I I get the point,
0: but I'm a she. It's important. Then she gave her the three children, untied her tongue, and granted her happiness for her whole life. The end.
1: Indeed. what a start to the series welcome back <laughs> it's series four we're back at it adam and my brain's already melted, <laughs> melted. <laughs> and what? we're only at the bottom of the mountain <laughs> <laughs> oh it's a lot to to process There's so much to process like this is yeah. one of the most high-minded kind of mm. i don't know it's just not much of a fairy tale, is it? Mm. It's, I don't know what it is. I don't know what that was. I think I dreamt it. No, it was real. Was it real? The ball of the world. The ball of the world. Goldfinger. <laughs> Goldfinger. It all happened.
0: <laughs> I, well, I think perhaps the most obvious thing that jumped out to me was that it's probably the most, or one of the most religious ones we've had so far.
1: Definitely. We had the Virgin Mary. The actual Virgin Mary. Heaven. Yeah. We had the 12 apostles. Yes. And then we had the Holy Trinity itself. We had had the actual Holy Trinity. (laughs) (laughs) Behind the 13th door. It's a new character.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) In the universe. With the light of the fire of heaven or something.
0: Uh, Yeah, it was sitting in fire and splendor. Nice. There's some quite epic language in it. Yeah. Quite, that was, that's a good one. Uh, I also just like the idea of the 13
1: doors of heaven. It's yeah. Fun. That's quite epic. And of course, the ball of the world. Yeah. They're playing with the ball but, of the a, world. And who are playing with them? Uh, a two year old and a one year old. <laughs> Let's not forget that. <laughs> yeah. That's irresponsible, gosh. <laughs> Putting the
0: ball of the world what, in
1: charge of a one and a two year old.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you get them next Christmas? If we digress.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, quite
0: quite epic, quite religious. Very. I mean, I think the only other religious one I can think of that we had is uh, one of my favourites, Gambling Hansel, where we... Yeah, very much so. ...met the Lord and St. Peter. Yeah. And uh, Hansel threatened to destroy heaven. But perhaps what makes this one feel extra religious is that you get a sense of... It's, it's quite moralistic. It's like the Virgin Mary's trying to teach you a lesson... Very much so and that's actually something we don't normally get in our fairy tales we don't get a very sort of clear straightforward didactic moral lesson which is what people think of when they think of fairy tales you think of simple lessons yeah, yeah. but actually as we found normally they it's they're quite ambiguous or they just like have murderous chickens or something they're not actually yeah. telling you to
1: behave a certain way no absolutely and that's more more common in uh The land of fables, which you'd be able to hear on our patron-only podcast, Grim Fables. We're really going to be plugging this. Just saying. Non-stop. But, sorry to interrupt you mid-flow there, but yes, there's a moral to this story, but I can't help thinking it's not a very good moral. Okay. Because (laughs) what it's essentially saying is... Mm. No matter how many times, how many chances, you can just keep lying and lying and lying until it becomes so inconvenient for you, you finally decide to tell the truth and it's all fine. Not, uh, it's not best. I thought it was going to be too late at that point. And, yeah, and along
0: those lines, it kind of occurred to me that, like, it almost feels in that sense as well, like, perhaps some, like, really naive justification for, like, torture or capital punishment, it's like, people are bad. But once you start trying to
1: burn them alive, they'll suddenly realise yeah.
0: how repentant they are. No, exactly. And they'll confess. <laughs>
1: yeah. So because you know. it melts the yeah. ice of pride in our heart exactly. or
0: something. Yeah. I suppose in a way it's like, you know, if at some point, yeah, it's never too late to tell the truth. I mean, there is some validity to that. That's right? a nice spin you put on it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I feel like if you're only telling the truth... When you're being burnt at the stake after you've agreed to have three of your children abducted. I think it is a bit late. Personally, but that's just me.
0: Gosh, you're a hard-hearted guy.
1: Wow. Um, What a story. Weird one. We don't even know her name. (laughs) I don't even know your name. We've been through so much together. Wait, I don't know your name.
0: Just call me. Gold finger. <laughs> okay, well, that's a, that's a question. I've got, I think, the most pressing question I've got for you, Adam, is does she have a gold finger all of the story after that point? And right. potentially for the rest of her life? Has she always got a gold finger?
1: Well, that's never addressed, is it? So, no. I'm what going, were the Grimms doing? I'm going to say yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good. Thank you for confirming <laughs> that. Okay, another question I had. The big moment in that story, perhaps the most epic moment, obviously, is opening the forbidden door which yes. is already pretty intense yeah. but she's been forbidden from doing it by Mother Mary but she looked at the Holy Trinity yeah. in fire and splendour an interesting thing I thought there is apart from the gold finger it didn't change her in any no. way you'd think that it would be like the Raiders of the Lost Ark or something I don't know if you've yeah. seen Indiana Jones I have so the like,
1: Nazis faces yeah.
0: melt off the, the melting Nazis that's yeah. you know I like, thought it's there'd just, be some melting
1: Nazis just, at that point it's just too much yeah like she's touched the holy trinity. I know, but it doesn't seem to have any effect. And on actually, there's a very good point because the fact that it doesn't affect her isn't very Christian. You know, that should be a some sort yeah, of yeah, 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 massive conversion for you. And yeah, you, to just carry on lying is just strange. Yeah. yeah, you either want
0: Nazis melting or to become like completely transformed the most pious, into this yeah. angelic, perfect, yeah. Uh, Christian. Yeah, yeah. But no, she's just like oh. Oh, my gold finger! Fingers got gold. Oh, God. <laughs> she ended up just starring a James Bond movie. Yeah, which is not bad. Uh, one other thing I thought is um, there's uh, some other stories lurking in there. Okay. That you may not have noticed, or you may have noticed
1: stories we've read on the podcast.
0: Stories we've read on the podcast, brothers mm. Grimm stories. Mm. Most obviously, uh, I think you're going to kick yourself here. There's the motif that we've seen in our. Serial Killer Husband, a series of folk stories, uh, namely Fitcher's Bird and Bluebeard. Right. A girl opens a door that she's forbidden to. Yes. She lies about it, but she's got an object that's been stained, which reveals to her husband that she opened the door. Right. So it becomes yeah. impossible to lie about, basically, to conceal. But also just the idea of there's a door... Don't go in that door, which this key opens, by the way. And then obviously the girl goes in. Yeah,
1: what is the deal with that?
0: And as well as that, it also reminded me of the Twelve Brothers, if you remember. Uh, King takes home a girl who can't talk and then marries her. And then she gets accused of something but can't defend herself because she's mute and then is about to be burnt alive and
1: then gets rescued, basically. Yeah, how did she get back? Oh, the Twelve Brothers came back. Yes. That's it, yeah. No, that is a good point. I I actually thought of another quite obvious theme Hmm. that we see a lot. Mm -hmm. Abducting children. Yeah. Rumpelstiltskin. Yes, Um, indeed. And another one just came to me as well, and I've totally forgotten it. uh, Rapunzel. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Rapunzel. So we see it quite often.
0: Absolutely. I've definitely read that fairy tales have a predilection for child abduction. Yeah, so that that is definitely a theme that comes up in folk tales a it's lot. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Do you think that's like at, at the time these are being collected, was it like just quite a common fear for parents, mm. just their children going missing? Or mm-hmm.
0: I suppose, uh, yeah, on some level, there's perhaps a yeah fear of of, of ch- children going missing. Maybe there's something about. Um, infant mortality maybe there's also for children listening to it as well there's this sort of anxiety around being separated from your parents as well there's probably a lot of things going on in there um and actually on that one thing i did think about this story is you know it starts with there's a poor woodcutter and his wife and they can't really feed their daughter and then the virgin mary takes the child to heaven so Mm. it almost feels like it might be a story about infant mortality I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's the same with her children. They get taken uh, to heaven as well. Um, Or maybe perhaps it's also just about foster care as well. You know, presumably that was definitely a much more common family set up in Mm. olden times. Yeah. But yeah, I thought maybe there's something in that, in the Yeah, no, I I think you're right. I can see that. And another thing I think we see a lot is actually women about to be burnt alive. Which I thought, you know, maybe that echoes witch trials, even. Yeah, well, it definitely did, yeah. Women being burned alive sadly, was a thing mm. that happened, especially in, I think it was, was it the 16th century? And I know men were also executed for being witches, but it was by far more women than men. So yeah. I thought perhaps, you know, the fact that we have seen this a few times in the fairy tales does echo uh, old witch trials, and that maybe ties in a bit here with um, if you admit to the Virgin Mary what you've done, kind of like embracing Christianity, yeah, rather than being a pagan witch, you'll be free and saved from being burnt alive. So maybe, perhaps, there's something in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Wow. It's actually quite rich. Yeah. Thematically. I feel like it's getting better the more we're talking about. <laughs> yeah.
0: German. The story is called Marienkind. Marienkind. Probably hmm. should have checked the pronunciation of that. <laughs> uh, and that has been variously translated in English as Mary's child, a child of St. Mary, the Virgin Mary's child, and of course Our Lady's child, which is our translation, which uh, is Mid-Victorian translation by Margaret Hunt. And I would say probably Mary's child is the most accurate translation. The story in German is called Marienkind, so really you should translate it as Mary's child. Right. Goldfinger would have been a good choice
1: too. Uh, uh, Just I mean, throw
0: out there. that is a missed opportunity. The Brothers Grimm's source for this story was the 19 year old Gretchen Wilde, who recounted it to Wilhelm Grimm in 1807 in Kassel, the Grimm's hometown, which is a city in Hesse. Gretchen Wilde was the second eldest of the six Wild sisters who supplied the Grimms with many of their stories. Yeah, come across them before. Gretchen also contributed the cat and mouse in partnership to the collection. Classic. Classic early Grim reading on Oh, there. yes. And also a story called The White Dove, which we will be talking about in the next episode. Whoa. Little teaser.
1: Oh, I'm teased.
0: <laughs> And also, uh, I'm sure you remember from our biography episode, Gretchen's sister, Dortchen Wilde, eventually married Wilhelm Grimm. So Gretchen was kind of a part of the family. Now, the brothers Grimm, uh, as we know, they wrote annotations for all the stories that they collected. Yeah. And in the annotations for this one, they actually recount another variant of this story that they found. Like they write it out in full in their notes. Wow. Um, and I would tell it to you now. I was, I was a little tempted to tell it to you. Because it's bonkers. Okay. Um, But we've actually got other engagements this evening. More pressing uh, matters to attend to. Okay. Uh, We've got (laughs) got better invites, basically. Oh, (laughs) Oh, good stuff coming. Oh, yes. (laughs) Uh, Our first engagement is with curious women. Um, Okay. In Fitch's Bird, which I just mentioned earlier when talking about uh, the trope that we came across... It was episode 53 of Gr- Grim Reading, if you haven't heard it. Who <laughs> can forget? We came across this trope before of the curious woman opening the forbidden door, something she wasn't allowed to open. Yeah. Now, this is also similar in the, the much more famous fairy tale Bluebeard. Now, when we did that episode, Fitcher's Bird, where we talked about Bluebeard, you were onto this, <laughs> women being forbidden from doing something. You said it's a little bit like... Eve and the apple. Yes. And I also mentioned Pandora's box. Yep. And I said in that episode, we're going to deal with this another time because we've got one more curious woman story. Is this the curious woman story? This is it. This is our final curious woman story. (laughs) (laughs) So it's time to talk about those famous curious women from ancient times. Let's do it. (laughs) So, first of all, Pandora from Greek mythology. The main records we have of the story of Pandora are from the ancient poet Hesiod, who wrote about her in uh, two of his works. The most well-known version of the Pandora story is from his poem, Work and Days, which was written around 700 BC. Whoa, that's old. (laughs) That is one old poem. (laughs) Um, So, uh, shall I tell you the classic story of Pandora?
1: Yeah, because I always think of You always think of Pandora's box, but not Pandora herself. I didn't think of a person called Pandora, so I'm intrigued. Tell me about Pandora. it would be my pleasure. Well, the classic story
0: of Pandora all starts with Prometheus stealing fire from Mount Olympus and giving it to mortal men. I'm sure you've heard of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, stole the fire of the gods and,
0: yeah. yeah. So, Prometheus has done that, right? Zeus is livid. He's like, I can't believe you did that, Prometheus. Right. Now I want to punish all men. Men, that is, because at this point, there are only men on earth. Mm -hmm. And Zeus says, I will give them an evil as the price of fire. So he commissions some of the other gods to create a woman. Hephaestus, who's the god of blacksmiths and metallurgy and just general forging, he molds her. From earth and water And gives her voice and strength Athena taught her how to weave Aphrodite gave her grace, desire and suffering Or cares, having cares Some of the other immortals got her all dressed up nicely And decorated, they gave her a lovely crown And finally Hermes gave her a dog-like mind And named her Pandora
1: Sorry There's a lot wrong with that that what <laughs> can we go back to the They've beginning made the first woman did you say they were gonna give men evil mm and that evil is women this no come on now this is not not good, is it in Hesiod's um first poem he doesn't actually
0: name he doesn't say the name Pandora in the poem he okay. refers to her as kalon Kakon, which is beautiful evil Wow, yeah. And um, it's, a, it's quite tricky to translate Pandora, but essentially it's something along the lines of all giving, all gifted, or all right. just all gift. And that might be because uh, the gods all gave her something. They all uh, they all chipped in.
1: Yeah. A pan meaning... Forth. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, uh, it's Hermes' job to deliver Pandora as a gift to Epimetheus. He is Prometheus' brother, the, the guy who stole the fire. Okay. And Epimetheus accepts the gift. He's like, I don't know what it is. A woman. <laughs> yeah, what okay. is this? What is this? Does anyone ask one of these? looks a bit like ah, me. Okay. Well, yeah. weird. <laughs> oh, thanks very much. <laughs> but Pandora uh, has brought something with her. Oh. A...
1: Box. Uh, uh, no. Matt, you tricked me. <laughs> And I'm not happy about it. That was such a dastardly trick. That was devious. <laughs> you lured me into a corner, got me to say the word box, and made you look a right <laughs> idiot. A proper Wally. It was a jar. A whole Pandora's jar. Yeah, oh, Pandora's thinking. Jar. Yeah.
0: Now, up to this point, just just to say, man had lived on Earth, free of all evil, no disease. No hardship, no hard work. Right. But when Pandora opens her jar, the world became filled with evil. However, one thing remained in the jar, hope, or elpis in Greek. Hope remained in the jar, caught under the lid or something like that, I think. Right, this happens. So that's the best known version of uh, the story of Pandora. Wait, from what? Hesiod over... Two and a half thousand years ago.
1: That makes no sense. <laughs> that makes no sense and is not how the story's supposed to go, surely.
0: Well, you're going to be very pleased to hear then, Adam, uh, that I got very excited when I found out there's a different version of this story by one Aesop. Yes. Yes. Uh, in which a greedy man opens the jar.
1: Well, that and sounds more like it.
0: And it's full of good things. Wait, what? What? So, I thought for our first Grim Fables of the series in October, which is our Patreon-only podcast where Adam reads me Aesop Fables, I'd like to request that we open with uh, Aesop's version of the Pandora Jar.
1: Well, let's do it. Excellent. Okay, look forward to that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the story of Pandora. But it's not, though, is it? <laughs> no, but it is. But it's not. No, but it is. There's supposed to be someone who goes, I want to open this box. And then it's like, no, don't open that box. And then they open the box and all the evils in the world come out. That's not what you just told me. Well, okay. Well, first of all, let's deal with the box.
0: In Greek, it's a jar that Pandora has. But we know it as box. Yeah. This is weird. It's really weird. Amazingly, the reason for this is because of a simple mistranslation made in the 16th century by Erasmus when he was translating the story into Latin from Greek. Stupid Erasmus. It's been speculated that what probably happened was that he got confused between the stories of Pandora and Psyche. Psyche has a box, in Greek, puxos, but Pandora has a jar, which is pithos. Puxos, pithos, quite similar words. Easy mistake. Yeah. Apparently, that's the reason we think it's Pandora's box, literally because Erasmus made a mistranslation and it caught on as Pandora's box. And then every retelling of the story after that they made
1: reference to Pandora's box. Oh, so it will be living a lie? Yeah. Wow. It's Pandora's jar. Well, you've opened a jar right <laughs> here in this podcast. This is blowing people's minds right now. Yeah. I certainly hope so. Blue mine, tiny mine. <laughs> yeah, blue mine as well. Pandora's jar.
0: Well, to make it worse, there's even more misunderstanding in Pandora's story. Okay. As you've already said, basically, when we think of opening Pandora's box, you kind of think of opening something forbidden... But actually, there's no prohibition against opening it. And yeah. if you think about it, presumably Zeus wanted humans to open it to receive the punishment. Right. Because he's trying to punish people for yeah. having fire. A double punishment. Woman and all the evils.
1: Yeah. So
0: it's not actually a curious woman's story. Not at all. But we think of it as one because it's been filtered through another very
1: similar story, which is... The biblical story, and I was, the, the Garden of, of Eden. The Garden of Eden. And, and yes, you redeemed yourself. It's so similar in like the the beats that it hits throughout the story, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But but this is a truly a curious woman's story, right? Yeah. And this is that classic thing of of God making a perfect Garden of Eden. Yeah. But putting something forbidden there that is accessible, but then just telling, mm-hmm. don't eat from the. Tree of yeah. knowledge. So, uh, just to, just to quickly clarify, I'm sure everyone
0: knows the story. Yeah. But as in, you know, there's Adam, who's the first man. God makes Eve from his rib and... to be his companion, yes. not as a punishment. To no, Adam. exactly.
1: That's very different.
0: <laughs> um, and then, of course, she's egged on by the serpent to yeah. eat the fruit from the forbidden tree of life or knowledge, yeah. uh, which is prohibited by God. Yeah. And then, because of that, they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Or Paradise, basically. So in these different traditions, both Eve and Pandora were the first ever woman and they also brought about the fall of man from paradise, effectively.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's original sin. Isn't that insane? Yeah. How similar
0: those are. So similar. Are. More minds are being blown.
1: But uh, I guess, obviously, Greece plays a big role in the early days of Christianity, doesn't it? It comes from that. Neck of the woods, so to speak. Yeah, Mediterranean religions, basically. Yeah, Yeah. so I guess it's not unsurprising that Mm. that story, which obviously predates this Christian story, Mm -hmm. has filtered through, I guess.
0: Yeah. So I've read that we filter Pandora, when we think of her, through Eve. Yes. So retellings of Pandora over the millennia have added the curious, tempted woman. But that's not there in Hesiod's original works featuring Pandora. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I thought that's very interesting. It blew my mind.
1: That's actually it's the, all
0: of that is fascinating. So um, yeah. So basically, our curious girls opening things that they shouldn't—that we found in our fairy tales—we can trace this back to Eve and Pandora. So it's like these folk tales are derivatives of those old, really old religious stories. Yeah. And actually, with Pandora, some have noted its similarity to the fairy tale Sleeping Beauty. If you remember, at the beginning of Sleeping Beauty, the wise women all gave a gift to Sleeping Beauty. Right. And that's quite similar to all the gods adding something to And they were border. actually,
1: like, building her character. Yeah. Weren't they? Yeah. And also, of course, the apple of Eve is like Snow White. with the Right. Apple. Yeah. It's, it's all related, man. It all ties up together <laughs> quite nicely. <laughs> Sorry, my mind's just blown. Yeah. (laughs) Just need a second. That's all right. Do you want to have a lie down? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'll put put the kettle on. Cheers. Actually, I think I will put the kettle on. Good idea.
0: that uh, take us nicely to the scores I reckon I think it does yeah it's been a big it's been a big old episode it's a bumper one to start the series absolutely yeah and uh, did you enjoy this uh, wow this ride I have to say an absolute peach really a real crack of a story okay
1: all right interesting because I wasn't sure how you were going to take it (sighs) me neither partly because I probably haven't had a story read to me for several months, so mm. it's, mm-hmm. it's it's you know got that delicious taste of the start of a season. That's weird. <laughs> um, I think we're both very tired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess that 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 weighs in on it,
0: yeah. I know what you mean. It's sort of we're you know, we're really excited to be back at the castle recording some fairy tales, yeah. Exactly, it's sort of it's autumn outside. We're Got getting the that first flavour of autumn, the fire's on. It's lovely. You've just heard a mad Brothers Grimm story. So you're kind of, yeah, that kind of uh, gives it an extra glow, I it suppose. It certainly does. Because um, I don't think it was the best story we've
1: ever read in the world, ever. Not by a long shot. But there were some good moments in there. Yeah, definitely were. So as always, at this point in the episode, we have to each score the story out mm. of ten. I'm going first, and I think... I feel like you're a bit at uh, maybe. A little bit, because mm. I hadn't actually thought about what I was going to score it until this very moment. What's your logic for the well, th- I, I'm, scoring this I, series? I, I tend to go, yeah, 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 that's a good point. I think I got it right last series, I'm going to continue mm. the, along that vein. We just went sort of nuts in the first series because we didn't know any different, mm. and then... I Well, I think we both did, but me particularly in the second series scored very high. I didn't really give much of a score spread. So then I've corrected that in the last series, and I'm going to continue that now. So I'm not going to be scared to score too high or too low. Excellent. But with that in mind, I think this is... The range I'm considering right now is somewhere between a 7 and an 8. Whoa. But I think I'm going to go Blimey. 7. Okay. Seven. Yeah, that feels right. Okay. You're yeah. surprised. That's too. I, it's quite high for you. No, I'm really
0: glad because uh, I was a little worried that you might be a bit disappointed with the story. Sure. Yeah, you, know, you come back. We've come back together again for a story, and you'd be sad. And I didn't no, want that.
1: Au contraire, <laughs> mon ami. I was delighted with that story. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. I'm really glad. Yeah. Uh,
0: I. I'm not the biggest fan of that story. Okay. It has some good things going for it, but there's a few negative things in there as well.
1: Yeah, I can understand so that.
0: So I'm kind of tempted to go for a five.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go five. Five is good. Five is a good starting point for the series because there's equal room to go up or down. <laughs> for me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a overall a 12 out of 20. Yeah. O- on the lower side. <laughs> Not a flying star. Not great. <laughs> but um, we're out the gate. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, well excellent stuff. Um, we've got a few more things to kind of sort out now, I suppose, uh, before the end of the episode. First of all, we need to reveal the results of our last patron story poll and then launch a
1: new one. Yeah. So what we do is I choose three stories based on title and own Knowing nothing about the stories, and then every fourth story we read is chosen by our wonderful patrons, and they vote in our story poll. So, and in that poll, I choose a story, matches a story. We do so anonymously, and then we pit them against each other, and our patrons choose. Mm. So in the last poll, the choice was between the little peasant and the two brothers. Good titles. Both very strong contenders there. What is going to be the fourth story we hear this series? Wow. The results are in. And with a commanding 60% of the vote, the winner is... The Little Peasant.
0: Oh, very good. Very good, Little Peasant. Finally done it. The Little Peasant
1: It's finally won a poll. It certainly has, because in our last story poll, it was beaten by Hans Married, which won by 76%. So Okay, right. Let's talk about Okay. Let's I, talk about that. I don't understand what's
0: going on. Elephant in the room. It's the elephant in the room. Two story polls ago, it was the little peasant versus Hans Married. Mm-hmm. Hans won by a landslide. Yeah. Well done, patrons. That was a good
1: choice. Very good choice.
0: Then, for some weird reason, if I'm not mistaken, unless I've totally forgotten... You picked the little peasant, and I picked the two brothers this time. So you've won this poll. Yeah. You've won this poll. What's now, going on?
1: Okay. What's going on? Why are you picking the loser? Because losers deserve <laughs> love. Oh. And that's the moral of this story. Were you burning the little peasant at the stake, going,
0: <laughs> you, are you a loser? Say you're a loser. Say, you're a loser. You? Say, it, say it. Say it. No. And then the ice melted from his heart. <laughs> and he's like, yes, Azrim.
1: Virgin Adam. He I was, am. <laughs> he was plucked from the flames and became the fourth story. Wow. Amazing. What an arc. Truthfully, though. <laughs> what? Who? In the, in the, okay. Where? Truthfully, who are you and where am <laughs> where, I? What happened? What year is it? And what's happening? <laughs> do, do I know you? Who picked it? Was it
0: you? Okay. So this is really <laughs> scintillating audio. So I think... We both wanted to pick hands married, right? But because, you know, story choosing is like your domain. I was like, no, okay, you you can pick that. I'll pick another one, and I went little peasant, kind of hoping it did, wouldn't win. Yeah, and, and then, then it, you picked the little peasant. The next I
1: won, I and then I picked the underdog, and I won again. <sighs> Oh, the streak continues. You're so good at picking story <laughs> titles. Even when you pick practice. the same one as me, <laughs> Some you still, still win. win. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I'm looking forward to The Little Peasant anyway. And now we're going to launch the next story poll. Mm. Matt and I have both chosen one. Okay. I'm not going to tell you who chose what. Mm-hmm. And the choices for this poll are mm. The Golden Bird. Or faithful John. So that's faithful John, or the golden bird, showing no favoritism in intonation or order. They are both equal. The first one sounded a bit like a question, but like you weren't <laughs> sure you were saying the
0: right thing. Um, Exciting wow. choices. Yeah, though. interesting Why? Yeah.
1: May the best man win. <laughs> oh, okay. Best of luck. Let's leave it there. Uh, yeah. Well, it's been a joy. It's so good to be back by the fire in Castle Grimm with you reading me a lovely story. I'm content. Oh, thank you. Are you planning on leaving? Is that what's that what's
0: happening here, Adam? Because uh, unfortunately, we're not quite done with admin yet. <laughs> I know you're walking out of the, of the door, but uh, actually, I'm just going to bring you back. Okay. We've actually got a little unfinished business from series three. Do we now? We do indeed. What's this unfinished business you speak of? So each series of Grim Reading, this is our fourth one, we score a bunch of stories and then we see which story is the winner with the highest score of the series. In series three, the winner of uh, the season, the highest scoring story was Puss in Boots. Hmm. Spoilers. Yeah. Anyone who heard our special episode last month will know that this presented a slight issue. Yes. Yes. Puss in Boots appeared in the first ever Brothers Grimm fairy tale publication, but they then erased it in future editions. So technically, it's no longer an official Brothers Grimm story. So should it be competing
1: with other stories in our scores? Well, yeah, and exactly it made it all the more sort of pertinent by the fact that it actually won the series, and it actually became the highest ranked story we've ever done ever. Yeah, Which makes it even more of a tricky one, and we got. A little bit nervous about that. We we overthought it. (laughs) Yeah. And we we didn't know what to do, basically. So we took
0: it to the highest office in the land. Absolutely. Our patrons. Yes. We opened a poll for our patrons with three options. One, essentially, Puss in Boots counts. It's the winner. Two, are you crazy? Of course, Puss in Boots shouldn't count. And three, give it a minus two points handicap. Those were the options we presented to patrons. Our wonderful patrons then voted. They spoke and quite a clear message was sent. I think we can safely say this has been put to bed.
1: Good. <laughs> That's where I like it. Tucked up in bed. What's, uh, what's the outcome of this then? 75% of
0: voters wow. said, yes, Puss and Boots should be counted in our official rankings. Puss and Boots is the legitimate winner. <laughs>
1: The patrons have spoken. The patrons, 75%. Wow. That couldn't be much more decisive than that. There's no question. No. Puss in Boots is the winner. Best story. And not only did our patrons vote, but there was a flurry of messages on this. Quite a passionate topic. Many patrons gave their reasoning. Firstly, a dissenting voice Mm. from James Blair, who says, I've voted not a grim story as it hasn't been in Common Circulation for very long as one, but I'd love to see it against other folktales in its own category. Interesting point. Mm.
0: Yeah, that is interesting because there are a lot of other erased stories as well mm. that we do come across occasionally, but very, very rarely do we actually score them, um, let alone give them their own episode.
1: Yeah, yeah so exactly. That would be tricky. I think because mm. obviously Puss in Boots is quite iconic in its own right. Mm -hmm. And some of the maybe less iconic ones have been tacked onto the end of an episode of a related story, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, James, you've been outvoted. Uh -uh. So, Sheena Nichols says, while it was deleted in subsequent versions, brackets, were they crazy? Puss in Boots was in the original. I think it counts. It was one of my favourites, so I may be biased. But what a cool story. Props to Mr. and Mrs. Fisherman, though.
0: Yeah. Good. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And um, that's because uh, the fisherman and his wife were in second place in series three. So yeah. we were worried that they might be a little unhappy, the fisherman and his wife.
1: You don't want uh, them unhappy. <laughs> no. Um, uh,
0: some more messages on this. Star said uh, simply, I would love for Puss to win. Simple to the point. Star's going to be very happy. Yeah. Uh, Ashley Fisher wrote, It was in the original, and it's also been circulated enough through other retellings for people to recognise. It's definitely part of the canon. Fair enough. Good
1: point there. Sort of saying its fame is in its favour. No arguing there. Uh, and Joan Stacknick says, Since it was an original Grimm story, I think the results should stand. Mm. Option three, giving a handicap to erase Grimm stories, was my original choice. But minus two points seems to be too much of a penalty. After all, it wasn't the story's fault. Perhaps an asterisk is needed, explaining the situation and giving some acknowledgement to the runner-up. Excellent points there.
0: Um, I agree it does need an asterisk, and we will do that, I think. We'll make it very clear. Um, and, you know, again, massive props to the fisherman and his wife. Yeah, Guys, we can't say it enough. We love you. And I think, yeah, minus two points does seem harsh, but it was because it was the only way to bring it in line with the fisherman and his wife. Because it was
1: so far, was a, so far ahead. ahead. Mm. And Hannah Toivonen says, Puss should, of course, win. Because this version of the story is written by the Brothers Grimm, and it has been in the original book. And, of course, because <laughs> he is awesome. As we said. <laughs> love the logic. Love it. Love it. Love Puss in Boots. <laughs> love the story. Love it. Catherine Oliver
0: made an excellent point as well. My worry is that if we give in to the fisherman and his wife on this and let them come even with Puss in Boots, next they'll demand to be even with the three little men in the wood. And then with Hansel and Gretel, before we know
1: it, they'll want to co-host the podcast. Is this a risk we can run? Mm. It's a pretty good point. <laughs> That's a really good point. I wouldn't put anything past those two. And it's best to put them in their place, I think. If we let them win by knocking down
0: another story... Before you know it, they'll be running the podcast. Yeah. Because they'll just claw their way to the top. Yeah. I don't think this is a risk we can run. Definitely not. I'm, I'm really glad you brought it to our attention. So We've done a thorough risk assessment and uh, Puss in Boots is keeping us safe. So yeah. thank you for that. Exactly. And finally, summing up the argument perfectly, I think, was a message from Michael Dean Jackson. If an actor is in season one, but written out for season two and beyond... That does not negate what they did. Boots wins. Flawless logic. I can't argue with that. I can't argue with it. We can now safely put that to bed. Puss in Boots is the Series 3 winner. And now we can look forward, march onward through Season 4.
1: Quite happily. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad we put that to bed.
0: Yeah, it was keeping me awake. Yeah. Now
1: I can go to bed. You can go to bed now that that's in bed. Poor old Puss in Boots tucked up in bed. Yeah. That's quite sweet, really. <laughs> Wait, am I in bed with Puss and Boots? What's no, no, you're on? in your own bed. Don't okay. worry. All right, Don't cool.
0: Worry. Uh, I won't ask uh, you to explain that anymore, what you're picturing. Um, <laughs> it's been so much fun. Thank you so much. Absolutely delighted to be back. This is amazing. Uh, I'll be seeing you soon, Adam. Yeah. For our second story of the series, The Three Feathers. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, we'll do more Patreon shout-outs next time. I think It's been quite a busy episode, so yeah. we'll, we'll save that for next time. Excellent. And until then,
1: keep it grim. Keep it grim. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grim Reading Pod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at GrimReading. You can find us on Podbean at podbean.com slash GrimReading and we also have a website, GrimReading.wordpress.com Keep it Grim.